Welcome back to Celebrity Jeopardy. I'd like to apologize for what happened before the commercial and can now assure you that all of our contestants are wearing pants. That's too bad. <laughs> all right, welcome back to Tangential Banter. My name is Ben Mel. I'm here with my co-host, Jack Korzanowski. Did you just come up with that opening off the cuff? No. Or do you have that plan? No, that's from SNL. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, Will Ferrell as Alex Trebek. Ah. Yeah. How was Alex Trebek doing? I know he was not doing good. I don't know. He had, I was not prepared to discuss that topic. He had, pro, he had prostate cancer or something? Really? It's not I good. didn't know that. I think it's prostate. That's it's kind of where it's like by the time you find out about it, it's like kind of too late sort of thing. But he's fighting it. So, so interesting note on that uh, Jeopardy topic. I found out a week or two ago that... Um, there was a woman who made it to Final Jeopardy and apparently was not did not have any chance to win or make any money really, and so she, uh, I can't remember what her exact answer was, but she wrote Turd Ferguson as her answer. Turd Ferguson. Yeah, which is the name of uh, Burt Reynolds. Like in in the SNL sketch, Burt Reynolds is one of the characters playing Celebrity Jeopardy, and he rewrites his name as Turd Ferguson on his little podium. <laughs> And then Will Ferrell's reading it. He's like, Turd Ferguson. And anyway, well, he refuses to say Turd Ferguson, actually. And then Burt Reynolds corrects him. He's like, that's my name. So anyway, this woman used a reference to Celebrity Jeopardy by writing an answer that was like, who is the magnificent madman Turd Ferguson or something like that. Uh -huh. So she got Alex Trebek to read this made-up name, Turd Ferguson, <laughs> which is from the SNL sketch. Where the guy who's On playing, the real show. Yeah. Where the guy who's playing... Alex Trebek refuses to say it. Yes, correct. Awesome. Did yeah. Alex Trebek know what was going on? I don't know. I didn't. The story I was reading didn't really cover that part. They were just like hailing her as a hero for achieving that. Part nice. Of it. nice. Okay, so let's dive into today's topic now that we've had an interesting discussion about Jeopardy and Alex Trebek. So the. <laughs> Jack's a big Weird Al fan. I am. So. And in fact, as I told you, Ben, uh, the re so Jeopardy was on like in the 70s, I think, and maybe through the part of the 80s. And then it got canceled. And then while it was after it got canceled, Weird Al made the song called I Lost on Jeopardy. And it got so big that they were like, you know what? We should bring Jeopardy back because apparently everybody's liking the song. So maybe they'll like the show again. And then they brought it back. And it was, I think it started with Alex Trebek, and it's been on ever since. So you can thank Weird Al for saving Jeopardy. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Weird Al. If you're listening to this podcast, you have our undying devotion. Yes. And we heard him sing the song. We did. When we went to this concert. Yeah, we did. So, today's topic, the question we dare to pose, Ooh. is beads versus flowers, which came first? Mm. And the the what's the, the the pose of the question is that they're both dependent on one another. So mm. how did yeah. they how did that happen? Yeah. Right? Do you so do you have any opening comments then? Yeah, so my my stance on this, um I think I'm trying to think of how to frame this up. I guess what I would say most simply is the question is very easily answered. If you uh, espouse the view that God created everything in a short period of time and established flowers and bees to 
help each other survive, mm -hmm. right? Like that's okay, very easy, clear cut. The question becomes much more complex and I would argue impossible to answer or very difficult to answer. I've never heard a satisfactory one when you assume that plants and insects evolved over millions and billions of years, separate branches of the evolutionary tree. And yet somehow they have this symbiotic relationship that they're essentially entirely dependent on one another for survival. So is the bees and flowers question, is that one example of this observation that you've made in other other places? Yeah, it's an example of the, the phrase is irreducible complexity. So it's a system that ah. can't exist in a more simple form. Okay. Um, other examples I've heard of are uh, like the eye. Yep. The eye doesn't work with all, without its um, constituent parts. Um, there's probably a bunch of other ones, but the, that's the one that comes to mind most easily. I know you had another one you were thinking of. Yeah, it was another body part, but I'm going to focus on the uh, eye for a second. So and we ha we see examples of more simplistic eyes in ourselves. In ourselves? Than, than our, our own eyes, I should say. Not I, I said than ourselves, but I should say than our own eyes. So there are other or there are other like, you know, but particularly bugs or I think horseshoe crabs are another example where their eyes are more primitive than than ours. Well, they're not really eyes though. They're like the or the ones I've read about are more like light sensitive nerve endings kind of like they they can give some sense of how bright it is but there's literally no other information encoded well how do we know how they perceive it like if they because i i think it are we talking about just the organ or are we talking about the brain's interpretation of the signals coming from it to give us the fifth sense because i mean our eyes could exist but if the brain if the signals going to the brain were just being interpreted like sense then like our, our nerve endings like you know feeling or, or audible signals then well i mean nothing's really separate right like the 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 stimuli doesn't mean anything without the processor so both the the eyeball and the brain's ability to interpret it yeah. are necessary for vision to work right yeah there's the sensor and then there's the processing unit to interpret the signal coming because all the sensor is supposed to do is to, is to um collect a signal right. based off collect of a, a part, stimulus yeah but is to is to send a signal based off of a particular stimulus yeah that's why you have to have separate like a a, a a voltage sensor is different than a temperature sensor is different than a pressure sensor like you have to sense these different things in different ways which is what our eyes do. Like, you know, our eyes detect something different than sound. You know, um, what's interesting about that though, is that I assume, and this could be incorrect, that the signal from the sensor, so whether it's an eye or an ear or uh, a finger or whatever, yeah. the signal that it sends back to your brain is the same type of electronic or electric type communication through oh, your nerves. Yeah. That there's not a dis there's no distinguishing like if you were to just pluck yep. a signal out of a nerve you couldn't tell if that was an audio signal or a visual signal or a touch signal you know well so i got two points in support of that one uh look at i mean like any sense so the sensors i was talking about 
in engineering, right? Same things I said, voltage, temperature, pressure, right. all of those different sensors, which are sensing different things. The, the whole, the instrument that is the sensor, all that's supposed to do is to tr translate that stimulation into a voltage signal or in some cases a current signal. Right. So then it's the same sort of example that you just said. If you were just to take a strand of wire that some sort of signal from some sort of sensor is coming, you wouldn't be able to tell just by analyzing that signal what the sensor is or what that sensor is picking up. You can just tell that there's a signal going through it. And that's where the processor comes in. That's what interprets that signal to properly translate what the stimulation is to whatever the I guess, no, I, whatever, uh, what's after po processing, the post-processor, I don't even want to call it. So that's that's one example. We actually, that thing that you just said about your assumption of how our own organ, our own sensors work, right. we see that actually being true in the engineering man-made world. Sure. So then, is it true in And that's kind of why world? I extrapolated it to the biological and world. So even if it isn't, I think we have, even if they are uniquely different signals, I think we can see that, well, when they are the same sort of signal, it works just fine. In the, sure. And now it's not the biological realm, it's the mechanical and electronic, like, you know, man-made world. But we've been able to create something that does very similar sort of um, uh, stimulation, receival, and transmittance the same way as our eyes and ears do. Yeah. But, and then they all transfer their own signals in which very nearly identical manner. So it's, even if that isn't the way that our brain, our bodies are wired, they could have been. Right. We see that being a possibility. So that's, that's, oh, that's point number one. And point number two is actually related to another topic we're gonna to bring up another time, which is baby brains slash LSD, <laughs> which is where those signals from your eyes get messed up in your brain and then those signals end up getting sent to the part of your brain that's supposed to regulate or supposed to interpret auditory signals. So you will hear what you see. You will taste what you feel. You'll you'll see what you smell. And like, you know, people on this these drugs slash babies that are younger than six months old uh, are just tripping balls all the time and they have no idea what's going on. So in that case, whether or not the signals are identifiable apart from one another, the different parts of your brain that are supposed to translate what those signals are, they can apparently handle, they are compatible with the signals from the other yeah, sensors. The signals are cross compatible. Yeah. Uh, disclaimer at this point, I have been told by at least one person who is trained in psychology that the statements Jack just made may or may not be false. So take that with a grain of salt. Is that it's a, very interesting. Though. Is that a psychology question? Because this is more of like a brain biological question. Well, it's more I like would a, say it's, it's someone it's a, who has more experience on the matter than either of us. But Ben, I read it in a book. Okay, that's fair. I'm just putting that disclaimer out there. I'm not saying it's true or not true. I'm just saying, be aware. Uh, so the other thought I had in that note, though, is like, if you plug a device into a computer, like a USB mouse or a keyboard, yeah, there are there's back talk so that the computer can identify the device that's plugged in, right? Yep. It tells the computer what it is. Yeah. So I'm also wondering in the same vein, do like, does your brain know which nerves are connected to an eye? And like, does it know the eye is what it is? Or is it just because of the place in the brain that's getting that signal that it's a visual signal or that it's an auditory signal? You know I, I, mean? I would imagine that the latter. I don't think there's any feedback coming from your eye because then just like how 
USB devices would have like a, I would you know I don't actually know this for a fact but if they're communicating if the device is communicating with the computer the device like the mouse or the Bluetooth whatever has to have a mini computer inside of it or at least a chip to process some of these signals and then send something back our brains our ears our noses don't have separate mini brains within them to communicate well yeah but it's yeah I, it wouldn't have to necessarily be a brain. It could That's be right. some unique identifier. Yeah, just because right? we see an, anal uh, an analogy in the man-made world, which doesn't mean that that's how the bio the biological system works. Right. Which I think a lot of people already assume is the case. I think a lot of people think that the our biological systems and our man-made systems, so like a computer or any sort of like complex machinery, operate very differently from one another. But they really don't. From what I've been, from what I've seen, there's a lot of similarities. Yeah. Such as this whole topic between sensors and signals and the processing, uh, the processing unit yeah. that those signals are being sent to. There is a lot of analogies we can find in our mechanical and slash engineering man-made world. So, and I am saying these are examples that were not intentionally copied from right, biology, right, such as right. you know the airfoil. Right, that was copied from nature. They said, "Well, how do birds fly through the air, and how do fish, quote unquote, fly through the through the water?" Silly oh, Jack. Yeah, fish don't fly; they swim. But uh, then they they studied the wings, they studied the fins, and then they made our the wings that we see today are at the are at the base. They're designed off of animal wings. So that's an example where, yeah, there is an analogy because it was specifically drawn right. from nature. I'm saying that, you know, the guy who was saying, "Well, how do we detect? How do we detect like a?" pressure signal in this cylinder or something. So, well, how do our eyes work? You know, let's copy that. I don't think that's what the guy was thinking. I think it, what he came up with just so happens that, hey, you know, our our own sensory organs actually operate very similar to this. Yeah. So two, two thoughts on that. Um, I've tried listing out in the past the number of different types of sensors that are in a human body mm -hmm. that we can come back to that in a second. But the other thought I had was... Um, I read about this experiment they did where they made special glasses that would, so obviously the way that our eyes work is we're receiving in this light yep. and then the image actually gets reversed or flipped upside down yeah. on our retina. Yep. And then the brain processes that image to be right side up relative to how we see the world. But they made these special glasses that would flip the image before it hit our eye Okay. So that it was already upside down and then it got flipped right side up, but your brain is used to processing the image while it's upside down. So what they found is that within two weeks, if you wore these special glasses all day, every day, like initially you're, you look, you feel, look and feel like the world is upside down. Yeah. Right. But within two weeks, your brain will have figured out that the image it's processing is not correct to all the other inputs that it has coming in, like yeah. your your sense of balance and gravity and all that. Yeah. And it'll flip the image. Whoa. So your brain's that pliable that it can go, oh, yeah, this one doesn't match the others. So it's comparing cool. your visual inputs with all these other sensors that your body has. That's cool. And it's going, yeah, that's not right. And it flips it so that you could walk around normally. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I that thought that was fascinating. suck for those two weeks, though. <laughs> yeah, because it would, like, couldn't do anything. Because, you know, like when you're playing a game and you accidentally invert the Y-axis yeah, yeah. or something? Imagine that, but in real life, and you yeah. can't turn it off. I, I mean, you could I by taking like, the glasses off, but then when that defeat the purpose of the experience. I wonder how much it would mess with, a, like, your balance and... 
Because I feel like you'd walk around, it's just going to look like you're walking upside down, like you're going to fall off the earth or yeah. something, you know? And, like, if you turn, and if you turn the, left, you're turning right. Turning right, yeah. It'd be it would so be, confusing. Uh, it would. You'd have to stop and actually, like, think about everything that you're doing. Yep. It'd be like living, looking in a mirror, but then it's also flipped upside down. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of that, there was another question that I've seen. It was a while ago now, somebody asking on the interwebs, you know, the mirror flips our right and left, but why doesn't it flip our up and down? Yeah. And I thought, like... Because I had thought I had kind of answered that question in my head by f noticing what a mirror does, but I hadn't asked that question explicitly. So when I thought about that question, I was like, "That's actually yeah. like I can envision the answer as to why." So like on like a pure on, on paper, I can I understand why it doesn't, but still just thinking about it, like just looking at a mirror and seeing it's like, "Well, it flips my right and left, but not my up and down." It just seems so because if you, it's not like and if you if you tilt your head ninety degrees. So now your right is up and your left is down. It's it still flips your right and left. So now it is flipping what was your up and down before, and it's just like right. But it's because it's based on our eyes' position relative to each other, right? The way that the light is bouncing off the mirror into our eyes, our brain is processing it as yeah, left and right, it... right? Because when you, the light that's reflecting off of your right eye in the mirror is being reflected back into your left eye. Well, no, because it's still flipped even if you close one of your eyes. Yeah. Like, you so, don't have to have two eyes for the effect to be there. Right. No, no, no. But if I close my right eye, the light that's reflecting off of my right eyelid then yeah. is bouncing off of the mirror and then being processed by my left eye. Right. So my left eye, when I'm looking out normally, is saying, oh, that's the left, like, that should be over here on the left side, right? It's projecting it into space where it would be without a mirror there. Oh, I think I see what you're saying. It's all about the angle of incidence. That yeah, it is. That your brain is processing being straight in front of you okay. instead of... So he here's a thought experiment. What would it take to have a mirror? Or can you even have a mirror that would flip your up and down but not your left and right? Ooh, that would be a, f that'd be a fun challenge to try to make if it's even possible. So... It I don't would... think it's possible, though. So why not? Like, what is it? And so that's what I'm trying to figure out is... You would have to your eye your eyeballs would have to be off planar in a vertical direction, and your brain would have to process images that way. Off planar in a vertical direction. I mean, so like right, normal human eyes are in a one plane horizontally. They're right? in one line. I mean, yeah, they're on one plane, but they yeah, there's an axis line. between them. Yeah, right. So I'm saying, like, I think for that to work, your eyes would have to be like that line would have to be vertical and that's how you would have to process images in the world. Well, no, cause if you, if you hold your head yeah, up. Yeah, but your brain doesn't, isn't processing the images that way. It's still processing them as left and right. I need that. We need, we even need, I, we need to sit and draw this out. I wonder what it would take or what that would look like. Because again, like if I sit down and I draw out like, you know, rays of light and how the brain would, uh, like, you know, like we, we get a non-symmetrical object, so you can easily tell what side's left, which side's right. It's up and it's down, all apart from each other. And then you draw how the how that image is projected on, like, an eye just staring at it, or just another yeah. surface staring at it. And then if you put them, like, uh, side by side in a mirror, and then tracing out the rays of light as they, bounce, as they emanate off this object, and then bounce back off the mirror to the sensory plane... You can, if we do that, you can understand why it gets flipped one way, but not the other. Or you can understand how the image off of a mirror would be different 
than if the sensory guy, the sensory plane, were just looking at it directly. You can understand that. But then it's still like, it's not, it does answer the question, why does it only get flipped one way, but not the other? But it just seems weird that it only gets flipped one way or not the other. But if you, so like, if you think about it this way, like if you're standing in front of a mirror and there's light, the light that is reflecting off of your shoes hits the mirror and then goes into your eyes. Yeah. Like it's hitting both of them the same, like you're, yeah, the same way. Somehow I think for, for your idea to work, to make a mirror that flip things vertically, you would somehow, you'd have to create a device wait. that would project your image wait. Like, upside down. Wait, 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 wait. We see this already. Where? There are, there, there are instances where you can find reflections that are flipped vertically. Like if you look in a spoon or some sort of concave surface, they do do that. They're not flipped vertically. Yeah, they are. If you look at, you have to be Sadie. Maybe the mailman's trying to get in through the back door. Yeah, with no pants on. I did hear some something up there. Something maybe something's walking around. Well, maybe we'll put it on pause for a moment. Get your gun. Okay, we're back. There was much to do about nothing. Twas nobody was up there. We didn't need a gun. <laughs> anyway, so uh, back onto the topic of like mirrors and flipping and whatnot. So one, we did so. When we were talking about flipping vertically, we did find something. If you look into a spoon or any other sort of concave surface where it's curving away from you, like a bowl, you will be flipped vertically. You'll also be flipped laterally at the same time. So it's like really, Ooh, it's really spooky. weird. But um, so when we were during the break, we were also looking up like, you know, what, why, why does the mirror do this? Or what's going on where we're only flipped one way and not the other? And the thing that I saw is related to, and I think we actually touched on this in an, a previous episode, where you got to think about these things in a different way than everybody else is thinking. That's what, that's what, you know, that's how the geniuses became geniuses. So the answer that I saw was doing that. And they said, don't think about it like flipping. Think about it as in it's, um, it's like the negative almost. So like when you're standing in a mirror, because it would, it's, or maybe they said it's like inverting the front and back of something. Or the, when I saw that, I'm like, oh, it's it's kind of like taking a negative of the relative positions of things that are away from the mirror. So if now you, listeners won't be able to see this, but Ben, maybe you can see what I'm talking about. So if I pretend my phone that I'm holding up is the mirror, right? Yeah. And I take my finger and I point like this at it. Yeah. What I'm going to see is this same image or like what I'm going to perceive because what's going on, the, the way that the light bounces right, to yeah, and then back off of the mirror, it's going to, what my brain's going to be perceiving is if you take this image and pretend the phone is still up there, every point that it will have like a certain coordinate away from the sure, mirror is yeah. as if you copy that and you just had all those coordinates be negative of their value. Right. So yes, something that's really yes. close to the mirror is going to be not very far into the mirror. Something that's far away from the mirror will seem very right. far, far away into the mirror. Right. Which is and, how you get the left, right swap. Yeah. Because it's not, it doesn't actually swap anything. It's basically just taking the image that the mirror is, or it's like taking all the light or the things that your brain perceives as uh, maybe being in the mirror or something. This is really weird to try to describe the words. But, you so, need <laughs> visual aids. This is so difficult. The, At least the, for me, off the top of my head, without any real time to think it over. What it came back down to for me is that our brain 
we know what a mirror is. We can recognize that it exists, but our brain's image processing center doesn't relate to the world in the thought that things are reflecting back to it in that sense. So like your eye, you're, when you're looking at something, you're focusing on something and we'll say you're looking straight ahead. When there's a mirror there, like if, if you and I are looking at each other, when I look straight ahead, I'm looking like we're face to face. My left eye is looking at your right eye. Right. Yeah. When you look into a mirror, it's actually my own face that I'm staring at. And because of the offset between my eyes, my right eye or my left eye is seeing my own right eye yeah. and it's projecting it out where it would be in space as if you and I were talking face to face. I see. I think I see what you're saying. Because of the way that the light bounces off of the mirror. And then if you the just, so are you just using the eyes as an example? They're not like an inherent need. It's because again, if you, if Cyclops were looking in the mirror, he'd see the same flipped image, and he only has one eye. Would he though? Yes. He wouldn't have any. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, for anything that's not on the center line. Yeah. Anything that's not on the center line. Yeah, he would because because like well, I mean, in, that, in that situation, it doesn't matter how many eyes you have. Yeah. I'm just using the eye as yes as an example point of reference. Yeah, it, it'd be the same if I was talking about my shoulder well, or talking, elbow. You want to use something other than your eyes because the eyes and the their perceiving of the image is what we're kind of talking <laughs> about. So it's it's you're it's very easy to confuse people when you're using it in a way that it ought not be used. If you understand what I'm saying. Okay, fine. So in your cyclops example, yes. Talk about your ears. They have nothing to do with the mirror. And there's a I'm just going to use my shoulder. So like. Okay. The so, light reflecting off of my right shoulder is hitting the mirror and bouncing back into my left eye. And your right eye. Well, and my right eye, yes. But it's being, Why are we distinguishing with two eyes? You say your eyes. In this scenario in this scenario, anyway, we're talking about a cyclops, so we'll say in my eye. Okay. So it's the light reflecting off my right shoulder, bouncing off the mirror, going into my one eye because I'm now a cyclops. Yes. And my brain projects that out in space, yeah. not, not as bouncing off of something, projects that out in space the same distance that I am from the mirror, but now it's the right shoulder of that image that I'm No, it's at. his left shoulder. Oh, wait, hold on. This is a good I think. Wait, I think it's still the right shoulder, but it's on the left side of the No, no, other way around. Image. Well, no, no, no. Yeah, other way around. Um, because if your right shoulder, if you're standing in front of the mirror, the reflection in the mirror, the way that the, as you said earlier, the angle of instances, right? It, the the light beam coming, or the, the particle or photon of light bounces. It, it travels it? a little bit. So it's it's your right shoulder, which is to the right of, if you're Cyclops, your one eye, right? Yes. So if your right shoulder has light reflected off of it going towards the mirror, it's going to travel. The, the light that eventually comes to your eye from your shoulder must actually go a little bit to the left bounce off the mirror, continue going to the left until yes. it hits your, your eye, which is relatively left of your shoulder, which is why it has to travel right. left, hit the mirror, then left, continue more. So then your brain is interpreting that as in, well, this light beam is coming. Didn't bounce off anything. It's coming from that same direction, whereas if you were to draw yes. a line through the mirror, is yes. actually coming from your right. Yes. Because it traveled the beam from your shoulder traveled left, hit the mirror left again to your eye, which is left of it, which means that your shoulder is to the right of it, which is means right. that the shoulder that you're seeing is to the right of you. But that is actually your right shoulder that you're seeing just a reflection of in the mirror. But if everybody knows that if you were to, if Cyclops were to clone himself, like in place, move forward, then flip around to face him. Well, the two Cyclops's right shoulders, right, will actually be to the left of the other one. 
Like yeah, they're diagonal. Right, right now, other. yeah, they're yeah, diagonal, yeah. right? So you're right. We're facing yes. each other right now. Your right shoulder is to my left. Sure. And my right shoulder is to your left. So you don't even have to have a clone of a Cyclops. You could you could achieve the same effect with twins, right? If you had a twin look at themselves in a mirror, yeah, and then have their uh, their twin standing off to the side of the mirror, equidistant from the mirror but behind it, it would look like one would they would see exactly the same image. Yep. One of themselves in the mirror and one of their twin standing next to the mirror but behind it. Yep. And they're going to be oriented exactly the same way. That's how your brain is perceiving it. So because your brain doesn't get that there's something else. That the angle of the light has changed, right? It thinks yeah. it's coming straight from the object that you're looking at, when in fact it's it's changed. Your brain may have contextual evidence to understand what's going on. So, like for example, we know what a mirror is, so right. we can we can understand when we're standing in front of the mirror. But there really is no visual cues. There's no visual difference between right. a mirror image and a, just the image of something in front of us. Right. All the 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 light. The, the, the light incidences and everything are effectively identical. So in essence, a mirror is just a really nifty, like mental trick kind of, right? I don't think it's mental. It is physical, but you're, it's, um, but I mean, it's fooling your brain because it's presenting the physical image that's presented. Mm, I wouldn't, I don't, I, I don't want to say fooling because that makes it seem like it's a optical illusion that what we see is not what's actually there because the image like if we we were to but yeah but it's not like if you take a a camera and you take a picture of what's in a mirror image but it isn't flipped no no but what i'm saying is that the mirror creates an image of something that's actually in front of the mirror but our brain processes it processes it as being behind the mirror yes yes so it's in that sense it it provides all of the physical actualities to get our brain to process it as if it was there behind the mirror when in reality it's in front of the mirror. It's sort of, you know what it almost is like the, the whole negative coordinate thing that I was talking about. It's, um, uh, no, I don't have a good example for that, but, um, it, this whole topic, again, I understand it, but it's still like conceptually, then why doesn't it flip vertically? Cause it seems like all the angle of incidence thing, like what there's something about the angle of incidence of light from all these different points in your body where it flips it quote unquote flips it one way but not the other so the angle of hey little girl hey little Sadie what you up to you being a dog um i need to this is something we need to sit down and like draw out yeah but um you know okay what? so i want to i want to go back a little bit to mm-hmm before we got all into the mirrors and everything, because I'd made a point about all the different sensors that your body has when we were talking about, like how your brain can flip the image yeah. with the special glasses. Yeah. So I was trying to list them out. And so obviously we have um, like light detectors in your eyeball, right? Okay. Uh, we have sound. Oh. We have touch. We have taste. We have smell, right? Those are the big ones. But we also have... So like the five senses, what you just yeah. listed off. Yep. Yeah. But there's more than that, really, because we also have uh, an internal inclinometer, right? Mm. And it, I mean, you can't like read degrees of inclination or something, but you know yeah. if you're going uphill or downhill based on stuff. Balance, which or, is from your inner or ear. If, right? if you yourself are, are off kilter. 
Yes. Rather than just going out, because you can just tell that by right. how right. this is difficult. So, and I think we sometimes like our we say our sense of balance is off or whatever, but we don't think of it as a sense per yeah. se. But it actually really. I think you know why it is. I think it's because uh, the the senses that we have are specifically external stimulus. So our balance is not external. That's something that like sure. it's, it, it's like an internal sense. Sure. But if you if like we were talking about these as analogous to physical devices like engineered devices for sensing things yeah in which case that actually is a center right it's not interacting mm -hmm. with the outside world yeah but it's being affected by the outside world yeah i agree so, with that um i can't remember what the other ones i had thought of but that one for sure was interesting mm. so anyway that kind of brings us back around to the irreducibly complex systems and because we very rapidly got off the rails on the initial question. Very rapidly. I don't think we spent any time on the rails. So. I can't even remember how we got <laughs> off. Yeah. Of the initial question of bees versus flowers, which came first. No. Uh, oh, we got I, to talk about eyes. We got to talk about eyes. Yeah, it's an irreducibly complex system. Um, and so maybe that's not the best example. That was one that I remember being used in the past. Um, yeah. But can you think of any plausible ways that bees and flowers could have developed separately and on different timelines and yeah. yet somehow still uh, be dependent on one another for their survival. I, I can think of one, which is Ooh. where the bees and the bees had some other means of food. Maybe they were like a lot like wasps that are predatory, predatory. Uh, and then the flowers, you know, there's other way, there's other means of pollination. I like, you know, I, a lot of trees don't involve bees with their, you know, they just spend, send their pollen out in the air and then it, finds it attaches to other trees and that's how they reproduce. But then maybe there was, you know, flowers through some genetic, you know, mutation formed or something. Then the uh, bees who may have been predatory, maybe they were just eating other plants. Maybe they were eating grains or something. You know, they, there was some sort of genetic mutation for them to be able to eat this pollen and digest it. And then just, and then like, it turns out that that was a better way for them to actually spread the pollen. So the, plants so one initially those bees uh, taking the pollen from these mutated plants that did have flowers then spread it to other plants that were receiving the pollen they got those mutated genes and then the that genetic trait spread really rapidly and then maybe those bees being so opportunistic had all this plentiful food now so then they unlike the bees that didn't eat the pollen grew and uh flourished and then the other ones died out something like that but there's a lot of ifs in this, yeah. in the situation, which is fine. I think specu speculation is worth its weight in poop, but it's a good <laughs> starting point. So, like, if you want to say all this speculation and say, you know what, yeah, let's let's run with that. Let's go try to investigate, see if that's the case, or maybe it'll lead us somewhere else. Sure. But when you go off this speculation and you hold it as fact, it's like, okay, buddy, let's let's calm down because, as I just said, speculation is worth its weight in poop. So it's right. like you can't That's do anything not, with it uh, itself. Yeah, speculation is is supposed to be a. It's like a jumping board. It's a. It's a. It's like a jump to conclusions, Matt. Except you it's can the jump to conclusions, conclusions on it. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's supposed to be like where you jump off from. It's not supposed to be like yeah, let's just stay here and this will be it. Yeah. So when they do hold to that very stingily, it's very annoying, particularly because the same people who do that are also saying that people who disagree with them are stupid because they don't believe in science and logic. Which right. is like, yes. You're yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which I mean, that whole <gasps> in that in that argument, 
in that argument for you to be able to say, well, you don't believe in science and logic, like your argument needs to be falsifiable then and not just the conjecture or the uh, speculation that you were talking about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then the other one that I brought up was lungs. It's like animals that first came up. Actually, you didn't bring that up. You said it was another body part, but you didn't mention it. I meant bring, brought to you, to, to you personally before yes, the show. Yes, yes. So uh, another example. So Ed Ben brought up eyes, and I'm bringing up lungs. And, you know, supposedly a lot of all land-based animals came up from the ocean way back when. But to do that, there would have to have been animals that at first could only survive in water where they can only intake water or their air from the water like a fish does. You know, you take a fish out of water, it'll die. There needed to be some sort of transition. And that transition would have to be something where they can breathe in and out of water and survive in both uh, areas. And then it would have to climb out and then start making its habitat mostly on land and then mutate to the point where it can't breathe water anymore. Because for those animals to survive, for that first common ancestor to survive, it must have already existed easily on land. Rather than it was just forced on land because it couldn't breathe. Like, I think there's a lot of examples where they say, oh, and the first fish climbed out and it was like basically a fish who had lungs. Like, that doesn't make any sense. It would die within two, like two minutes of hatching. You know what I mean? Yeah. Doesn't make yeah. sense. Plus, it, even if it could crawl and breathe on land, it's designed for swimming. It's going to die because it has no means of locomotion. Yeah, there's multiple. You'd have to have multiple. All of these things have to line up. Right. All these things like that you have to get your food. You have to be able to breathe in both areas. You have to be able to survive in both areas. Yeah. And not I was to actually say it's not not to say it's not inherently possible. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that because I'm sure somebody can think of, well, this ha could have happened. This could happen. I'm like, you're right. It could have. Do we have any evidence of it? <coughs> oh, there's somebody. <coughs> okay. So, we're back. Yeah. So uh, I was actually reading an article about this. Uh, we're not going to say what happened because we just paused and then got back and we're not explaining to the, re to the listeners what happened. I mean, we can, sure. Long story short, I thought we would bands... trim that out, but, oh yeah, why don't we do that? But now we're going to have to trim this out too. Well, if we decide not to trim it out, one of my roommates came home and said he was barking at him. Yes. Okay. Anyway. So jumping back into the topic where we were, um, I read an article uh, maybe a week or two ago, that was, um, I don't think it was written by, but it referenced a computer, I want to say a computer scientist from Yale, and uh, he was talking about just the mathematical, uh, well, he went beyond improbability to say impossibility of um, the evolutionary process creating all the diversity that we see in life. Mm. Um and he was talking about how there, and I haven't read this any, any of this myself, but I was curious because it was the first time I heard it said that um, he he was saying that studies have shown now that random biological processes, cell mutation, can't create the new types of um, DNA and information that we see in the increasingly complex creatures hmm. that have that have come onto the earth. Um, which I thought was interesting, but it's always, so he was arguing that, yes, we very obviously can show that the process of uh, gene mutation causes changes in existing genes of animals and can, 
can cause some that are more fit or more able to survive in their environment and some that are less able to survive in their environment. She's like, yeah, that's very obvious and demonstrable. Um, so he was just arguing that evolution as a mechanism doesn't get you from a single cell organism to the diversity of life that we have on this planet and have uh, had in its history. Yeah. Um, which I think is actually even a less relevant point than the fact that I still don't know how you get from a, the, the theory of the world beginning as this cooling mass of rock, yeah. how you get from that to then these pools of organic proteins that yeah, whole, somehow get primordial lighting. Ooze, the primordial ooze thing. That can, can we just address? That just seems like a cop-out, right? There was all this ooze laying around and a fish crawled out or something. It's like, come on, guy. You gotta be got to be a little bit zapped, more creative. It got that. zapped with lightning and then that became the first single-celled organism. And then somehow that had the means to reproduce and then yada, yada, yada. That, it's that, like so... Yeah. It's so far fetched. This is so. There, this is a topic I think I want to think. I, I want to think on some more, and then retouch at some other point because there are there have been other instances where I thought were there there's such there's such a step change required in order right. for something yes. to happen that evolution by like the, like like micro evolution that is is just extrapolated over you know the millions of years purported for a lot of these traits to have developed that wouldn't be enough. Like you need to have like just big, what one big change in order to explain this. Right. And I think that article, the, um, the guy from Yale also cited the, the quote unquote Cambrian explosion where there's all these species that show up in very rapid succession in the geological record. Oh, really? As you know, before that we only really had examples of these, um, like single cell or very soft, um, I don't even know what to call them creatures soft as in like not shelled like literally soft is that what yeah you yeah like amoeba type very very small very very simple life forms and oh. then there's like kind of the snap of the fingers step change that you're talking about and then all of a sudden there's just piles and piles and piles of all these different types of creatures with all this diversity and hard shells that are well preserved and all these things so it's like well how did we go from essentially something that was so simple it was like the primordial ooze itself to now we have all these creatures and all these different examples of why don't we see any primordial ooze anymore it's not like the earth has evolved very much compared to when life started with all the dire predictions about global warming maybe we're headed back there yeah we're gonna get we're gonna get to a warmer state what the The bayous of louisiana are gonna start spawning the same people who are saying there used to be glaciers going through like you know minnesota creating all these lakes they're not here anymore. They disappeared long before man. But the glaciers up north are melting, and it's all man's fault. It's like, what the, What are you talking about? You just said there were a bunch of glaciers here that melted tens of thousands of years ago. What happened to them? That's one thing I don't understand. I'm not saying that there isn't a reasonable explanation, but when there used to be apparently all these glaciers coming through the Midwest of the United States that aren't here anymore, and now all of a sudden the ones that are even further north right. melting... And it's all due to global warming. It's like, well, hold on. If that is a big surprise, then whatever happened to the glaciers that were as low as, you know, Iowa and Minnesota? Right. And it used to be so cold that we used to support glaciers down here, yet it wasn't before man came around. Why? Like, what? Let's, like, why are we dismissing what happened there? You yeah. know what I mean? I'm confused. Can someone enlighten? Is it non-sarcastic, non-sarcastic comment? If anybody's hearing this, because I haven't done research, which you probably should do. Like a responsible adult. Yeah. 
It's overrated. But does anybody understand, one, what I'm talking about, and two, have an explanation for it? Maybe I'll have to go and do and satisfy my own curiosity after this. Yeah, so that leads into an interesting point, which I think is there's this fascination with, okay, so there's the the science and narrative pointing to climate change and the, the earth is warming up, and we're saying that's man-made. And we also we also know that human interaction with animals and habitats has caused many extinctions or we believe many extinctions. So one, die, baby. one, one, one caveat, I think reporting species as extinct is kind of a waste of time because like there are animals that literally like a dog could go missing in a neighborhood never to be seen of again. Yeah. And it's just like, Oh, that dog's extinct. Like it's, it's just so it's laughable to me that we can think we've, we have the surface of the earth in the ocean so well mapped that we could locate yeah. every single member of a species. Yeah, like, I, I've actually thought about that. Because there, there are numbers of species that have been reported as extinct and then years later have reemerged. They're like, oh, yeah, we saw one. Okay. Um, but anyway, I think it's fascinating that we've arrived at this point in history, history where we now feel this obligation to establish some kind of like, um, like homeostasis almost where – we have to preserve it exactly as we found it. Yeah. And it's like the earth and environments and habitats and animals have been changing throughout the entire history of the planet, whether yeah. you believe that's a few thousand years or billions of years. Yeah. Like no matter which frame of reference you come from, it's been changing the whole time. So it's completely farcical and really only a human invention to believe that it could and or should be kept at this yeah. exact set of parameters. I never over thought time. about that way, but yeah, right? you're right. Like, the environment climate is going to change. Animals are going to be to go extinct. And, you know, like mm -hmm. it's just obviously, in my opinion, we should be doing the best that we can to limit our own impact on that. Just because there's a lot of really neat species out there that are cool to observe and like we can preserve that for future generations. Yep. But to say that there should like never be an extinction of another species, like, no, that's stupid. Like that's nature That's well yeah I was, so there, there's actually a, a lot i i could say about all this i'll try to summarize i'll try very hem, heavy emphasis on that word try to summarize them which is one a lot of the people who well i i believe that a lot of the people who are saying we need to stop climate change we need to stop uh you know ex like we need to save the rainforest we need to uh, preserve all of these endangered animals whether or not, like, I'm not saying any of those are a bad cause, particularly the animals and rainforests. Again, I think all that stuff's cool. But the same people who say that are also saying, you know, believe in evolution and don't believe in, in creative design. So it's like, you're telling me that you who say that animals are get stronger or, you know, evolution's all about, it, you know, the, the, the fittest survival or survival of the fittest, don't view us as like a virus taking over the world. We're just another factor that they have to overcome. That's it. We're just another step in their evolutionary process. We're the apex predators now. Yeah. So we should be able to do what And we if want, they don't, right? if they can't, you know, if they're not fit to survive, why is that a problem now? And it wasn't a problem when the dinosaurs became extinct. And, I mean, in a sense, like, that just means that what we're doing as humanity, as a society, globally, is we haven't reached our... Um, Oh, what's the term? The holding, essentially the holding capacity of Earth yeah. in terms of humans yet. So if we just keep on this path, yep. there'll be some catastrophe, kill off a bunch of humanity, 
and we'll sink back to some number of population yeah. and we'll figure out how many people this planet can really hold. Now, if somebody, which wants... is what every species does yeah. in its habitat. And right? We did discuss this one other time. I know I thought we've discussed this before. It probably was on one of the podcasts. I thought it was, I don't think it was in a podcast. Oh, you don't think so? No, I'm pretty sure it was. We could definitely talk about that then. But I mean, now if somebody wanted to argue, we should just avoid all, all like, sure. The animals may, it may not be like an inherently quote unquote bad thing for us to do as we will. And if animals can't survive our, our habits, then they don't quote unquote deserve or say it doesn't matter if, if they get extinct because again, that's how evolution works. Right. If they're not strong enough and they have biscuits. Yeah. If, if we're the limiting factor, then we're like, why is that any different than right. some other animal being the limiting factor that the, some right. prey wasn't strong enough, smart enough, and then be, they got hunted to extinction. Like if bears were prevalent enough to like literally be changing the environment and eating all the other animals. Yeah. They and they wouldn't have a guilty conscience about like eating themselves into extinction or killing off everything else. Right. They just wouldn't. Now, if somebody wanted, again, if somebody wanted to say, look, it's not that it's not inherently bad, evil, whatever you want to call it. It's just that I would like to avoid a human, you know, mass, ex like mass population drop event, you know, where half the world dies. I would want to avoid that if they're like, okay, now we can talk because now, now you're being open about it. And now, 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 so, now there's a much more conceptual, like actual need. But when people are saying we got to pr preserve all this stuff because humans shouldn't be affecting the environment, it's like why not? Like I don't understand because apparent again, I don't think it's a stretch to say that a lot, a lot of these people, like again, don't believe in creative design. So we're real. It really just boils down to nihilism. As we did, we discuss that on a podcast. Yeah, I can't count passing. If we have, have if we need to figure out if we've discussed that in depth because that is like an uh, that's like a three part episode right there. And I feel like we need some guests, uh, presenters, or, you know, special guests for that one. Ooh, I like Because I think we know some people who would be interested in that topic. Definitely. But anyway, if it's just like we're all just atoms floating in space, then who cares we're, if the animals... are better atoms than they are. Yeah, then it's like, who cares if the animals... Yeah. Like, what's the point? And if you're like, yeah. well, because then we're going to lose the animals and we shouldn't... It's like, I don't understand that train of thought. There is no... Right. There is no... If there is no higher power saying that this is right, this is wrong, for whatever reason, then... Then definitely, we need to definitely talk about the, that. The, not, the morality what? of a of a purely atheistic. Yeah. Oh yeah. I thought we universe. did. No, we haven't. We certainly have not. Not on the podcast. We have talked about it. Possibly, but not on the okay. Not so, on the podcast. Ooh, the one other thought that's going to be a good. Yeah, for sure. The one other thought, though, I want to add on this topic is it seems completely disingenuous to me to have an, a discussion about how we should be handling the environment, specifically related to climate change, global warming when we are not having the discussion because there's all these projections about how much the ice is going to melt, how much the oceans are going to rise, how much flooding there's going to be. How are we not talking about relocating <laughs> the gigantic idiotic cities that are on the coast that would be immediately submerged in those scenarios? Like if we really truly believe that this is the science saying that in 50 years, there's going to be all this horrible flooding and storms or whatever. Is that what they were saying 50 years ago? Then we should absolutely be relocating New York City and Louisiana and Miami. And like the list goes on and on. Like, in all fairness. People can't stay there if uh, that's truly going to be the future I, of our... I agree with that statement that if it's that big of an issue, then like, like nut up or shut up sort of thing, start evacuating these people. Um, but I do think... so. To answer your question, I think that the mindset would be rather than put up with that very major inconvenience slash chore of relocating people and industries and whole cities and yada, yada, 
why don't we just get out ahead of it now? But I and, think most of the most of the projections that I've heard or that people are touting now are that we aren't out ahead of it. That like we're going to have these outcomes no matter what. Oh, yeah. And it's, so yeah, like we can mitigate the maybe we can reduce their their long term trends, but we're going to have some of these major storms, flooding events, etc. In major cities on the coastlines, if and, their projections are accurate. And can I just say why are people so concerned with the United States when it comes to like the emissions? stuff because china and india are Bingo. not even like we, we're not in their league like we're we're bush league compared to china and india when it comes to emissions guys we're like interestingly enough also they're like the ocean. ml they're like the mlb and the united states is sort of like JV, adult rec league yeah not even adult rec league it's like jv baseball and some like like ho-dunk town's high school team it's not even the varsity of that high school team mind you. so it's it's not just uh atmospheric emissions either like ocean plastics and stuff uh china and india are up there but i think indonesia is actually the leader in terms of per capita uh no just amount wow that's impressive of raw of the plastics and stuff that are getting tossed into the ocean so so it's anyway. not the, yeah, so it's not the United States that's the, that's at fault. Not, not saying that we shouldn't be taking action. Honestly, just in general, I think we could continue to improve the way that we handle the environment and the way that we protect nature around us, just for our yeah. own enjoyment and yeah. for a beautiful place to live and healthier yeah. um, and if, cities and, and if, stuff. If you do believe in creative design, and then you say, well, then we have, as, like, you know, the, the, um, yeah, positive. Uh, anyway, but if you do, if you do believe in creative design and you do think that people are like the the caretakers of the world then i think that logically speaking those people should have a much stronger drive towards environmentalism and preservation yeah, of, yeah. Uh, of animals and our actual habitat and it should actually be the nihilists and the atheists who are saying oh, screw all the that stuff like let's just live like self what makes us feel good Right. You know, what yeah. makes it like, I don't want to, like, I don't care if this animal goes extinct. I want my dodo, in, my dodo on a stick, damn it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it does, like, well, so the dodo's already extinct, so, it's so like, you can't have one. I can understand. Like, I'm not like, I, th I think it would be easy to interpret what I'm saying is I don't care about the environment or the I love animals. I, I got Sadie right here. She's laying down. I was able to scratch her belly. She's awesome. And then I think animals in general are really cool and lovable and I mean, if I saw a crocodile, I would. You'd have to pull me away from it because I go up and try to give it a hug. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so we'd be pulling you away from it in pieces. Yeah, and it's like same thing with like forests and trees and like everything. Yeah. I love like I love the rainforest. It's really cool, all the diverse wildlife and everything. So it's, but what I'm saying is, what my biggest complaint is that the the side that should be arguing that if humans are the apex predator, then they let everything else adapt to us. The people who should be saying that are not saying that. Right. They're saying the opposite for reasons that contradict their own their own um, what's the word not stigmas uh, but principles that we have a higher responsibility. If there is no if there is no creator, we have no responsibility. Our responsibility is what we make it. And again, if I want a dodo on a stick, then I'm going to get a dodo on a stick. I don't care if they go extinct. Right. Uh, this gets into the whole. Yeah, like yeah. nihilism yeah. conversation. We'll, we'll leave that for we'll another time. All right. With that, folks, thanks again for joining us this week. We are going to leave it here for today.